Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there's nothing to be frightened. It's reaching out to you because it wants you. Hmm? It's calling you. So don't turn away from it this time. I want you to find it. Understand? Yes. Nancy manages to follow Jonathan's voice back through the portal from the upside-down dimension, narrowly avoiding the Demogorgon. They are shaken by their experience, but ultimately decide to hunt the monster down once and for all. Unfortunately, Jonathan allows Steve to provoke him into a fight and gets arrested by the police instead. Hopper and Joyce follow clues leading to Terry Ives, a former lab subject of Dr. Brenner. There they learn that Terry miscarried a child she claimed had special powers 12 years ago. Joyce and Hopper fear this is all part of a cover-up Will got mixed up in. Dustin tries to broker peace between Mike and Lucas, but Lucas isn't having it, preferring to mount a one-man mission to rescue Will from the dimensional gate. Dustin and Mike search for Eleven before being ambushed by bullies. Eleven saves them, but confesses that she is the one who opened the portal as she relives painful flashbacks to her experiences with Dr. Brenner in Hawkins' lab. Welcome to Dungeons & Demogorgons, the officially unofficial podcast for Stranger Things on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And that is a really hard title to say. Every time I feel like I barely scrape by <laughs> saying that title. I feel like Dustin trying to say asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saying assholes with your front ass, uh, yeah, without your front teeth, pretty rough, pretty rough, yeah, especially in the plural. Yeah, it's, assholes. It's... Yeah, I can't even. Yeah, he's he's doing a better job than I do. Yeah, it's super awesome though. That that scene with Dustin trying to get the gang back together. Dustin's the it's best. Really good. Yeah, he's wise beyond his years. He is. Yeah, it's almost like adults are writing for him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Uh, you forgive but a lot of that, best, right? In the best way. Yeah, for sure. Right. They're like, like these. this is the way real kids would talk if they mm. all were written for by Quentin Tarantino and Kevin Smith. <laughs> I think the thing I like so much about Dustin is his buy-in on these D&D campaigns. Like, he's the guy who remembers every right. single step he, of their he, journey. He's the lore keeper. Right. Yeah. And I feel like Mike... You know, for everything that Mike is trying to do here and now to save Will, he's also kind of prepared the group for this in a way by being such an awesome DM because it's obviously engaged Dustin in a way that, like, he's able to instantly recall all of these things that they went through, these trials and tribulations that, and how they turned out and, you know, why they worked the way they did. And, mm-hmm. like, half of half of finding Will here, I feel, is going to be due to their D&D campaigns and just how well mike did as a dm yeah i mean i can this is this one of these episodes i, I kind of sit back and i'm amazed that it's still working as well as it does because you've got these kids for, following tortured kid logic about mm-hmm. D and it happens to be right and then you see nancy and jonathan do something similar where they're using stuff out of national geographic to deduce skills and abilities that Demogorgon might have, which are largely proven to be correct. And then then Joyce and Hopper, 
like in a in a very bloodhound gang's way just lead from clue a to clue b to clue c to clue d and have all the things confirmed and it's like kind of hackneyed but it it still really works yeah i i do think there's some complexity in there right this idea that hopper finally realizes oh i've been chasing the wrong kid this whole time yeah that was set up episodes ago right and and we knew it as an audience but he needed to figure it out right so yeah i i'm with you it's like it feels like it's written mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just happening naturally in most ways. But I think there's just enough in there to say, hey, this is – yes, we know this is like a scripted show, but they're, they're, they're kind of feeling it out as they go in, yeah. their, in their own ways. And also as it maybe as things get a little bit too convenient, they also hide it with like, oh, well, you know, a s- awesome set piece where Eleven levitates Mike. And- yeah. You know, breaks his kid's arm and and has this kind of moment of badass. And also, there's the you know some of the clearest looks at the Demogorgon yet, and the backstory between uh, Eleven opening up the portal. Mm-hmm. So you know, a little razzle dazzle to kind of distract you from some of the some of the mechanics of the plot unfolding. Because again, like yeah. most, like I would normally say, oh, you can really hear the writers typing in the background, but you can't. You can't. You can't hear it over the sound of how awesome the episode is. Right. And that sweet synth track. Yeah. That, that swells every time something awesome happens. The only thing I don't like about this episode, and it's 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 not even that I don't like it because I'm not supposed to like it, is like Steve and his fucking group's <laughs> reaction to, you know, Nancy having Jonathan overnight. Like, mm-hmm. sp- and and, and the, the, the sheer frustration of... You see these kids with all this crazy, slightly grown-up Goonies monster hunting gear. Mm-hmm. And, like, hot damn, this is going to be entertaining. And then the cops come and arrest Jonathan because he punched Steve. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> so frustrating. I feel like it needed to be that way because where are they going? What are they going to do? Are they going to stake out that tree? I don't do know, know, but I was that... wanting to see it. I was wanting yeah. to see the bear traps. I was wanting to see, like, some kind of homemade flamethrower. <laughs> it would have been pretty awesome, but I, I wonder how effective it would have been. Yeah. It's like I, I'm questioning, what can the Demogorgon do in his dimension in the Upside Down? Can he open portals wherever he chooses? He can't hunt Does down an he... eleven year old boy, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we find out a little bit more about the Demogorgon in this episode. He is blind, I suppose, and deaf because he, as we understand, like, it, like yeah. it's they, they point him out to be like essentially blind and deaf but they have a very cute sense of smell but that's stuff that nancy's speculating on because i when she said yeah. like oh well barb was bleeding and that deer was bleeding maybe they're like sharks that can smell one part's blood per 50 million centiliters of air or whatever <laughs> i'm like huh i wonder if in the first episode if like Will got freaked out by the sound of the Demogorgon and wrecked his bike and got his like knee scraped up or something, and the Demogorgon smelled that. And I went through and I, I rewatched those first ten minutes of the episode, and it turns out that doesn't seem to be what happened. Will came across the Demogorgon sca- standing in the middle of the road. He wrecked. Mm-hmm. Didn't look like he really like he fell in the soft wet leaves. Didn't feel like he he really skinned himself. If there's no obvious bleeding, and then the Demogorgon yeah. was on him. Yeah. From the second he like saw slash heard him, so you know, but that there's nothing saying that Nancy's right. That's the thing. Like these kids right. can't literally be right about their D and D campaign mapping one to one onto the Demogorgon. Nancy and Jonathan probably aren't correct. 
what is going to be like how are they actually going to defeat them i mean they got all the stuff they got l who's got her psychic weaponry they've got a gun mm-hmm. with jonathan it sounds like the 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 <laughs> the old kids and the, the big kids and the young kids need to come together to form a goonies like super group yeah they've definitely got they all get, they, all the tools yeah. they need in this chest it's just a matter of getting them all together right and and getting over their own shit like getting lucas and mike back together getting l back with mike and lucas and dustin um, but, but I think like, that's the most interesting thing is how people are wrong, leading them down paths that ultimately push them in the right direction yeah. for the wrong reasons. Like Hopper, you yeah. know, like, like I said earlier about him thinking he's going after Will when he's actually going after Eleven and following her trail. Uh, I think that's super interesting. That, that feels more natural. And I think that's part of why, like when these roadblocks come up that are obviously artificial, um, we can excuse it because the other things that are happening feel so natural and organic. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Lucas being the solo act, I fucking love his Rambo style gearing up scene. <laughs> yeah, that's where he's good. Getting all his Nam era shit and his hammers and his utility belt, and then he puts his, his his camo bandana tied around his head, and he's got his walkie-talkie and the compass striped to strapped to his bike, and he's getting shit done. He's tracked he's tracked this shit down to Hawkins Lab, which is the correct place now what is it what's his next move and what's awesome is like i really if you put a gun in my head i couldn't tell you what happens these next two episodes yeah same here like i've remembered a lot of this more than than i kind of thought i would but like i honestly don't know how this season resolves yeah so that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty entertaining Mm -hmm. i don't know what uh lucas's next move is probably he's gonna try and get in there um or I wonder if he's if, really hell bent on this. I wonder if he's going to see like he's he's going to see that like oh my god this is a pretty formidable building loaded full of adults. Uh-huh. Uh it's got razor wire fencing all around. Maybe I need my brothers. Maybe I need my bros. Maybe he might then, he might go back to the group. Yeah, cuz cuz I feel like there's going to be another missing kid if he keeps poking around there. Yeah. Uh but I, I, I like that. I also liked, like, I continue to like seeing the labs moves because they send the social lady, friendly social lady worker type agent mm-hmm. to the science teacher's house, Mr. Clark. And under the guise of being from the AV club of Indiana, of Indiana mm-hmm. she convinces him to give her the names and addresses of the boys that they're trying to hunt down. Brilliant piece of social engineering that yep. uh, Mr. Clark is only too happy to provide. And then it sets up because, you know, we see these government agent guys scouting out Will or John, uh, Mike's house, and they're they're armed through the fucking teeth. Mm-hmm. So is L going to have some kind of psychokinetic shootout with these guys, or the kid's going to be taken into custody? Yeah, it's possible. Either what, one. What's going? What's what's going on? Yeah, I mean, we've already seen her thwart a group of guys with guns. Um, when they raided the diner that she was at. Right. Uh, she took them out and, and escaped. So maybe she can do that again. But this time she's got people to protect with her, which has got to make it harder. Um, I, yeah, I think this is a serious challenge <laughs> facing them. Yeah, and as, it's funny because Dr. Brenner's research just seems to be whatever the hell he wants. Like you're, you're investigating some way to psychically spy on Russians. Mm-hmm. Fine. Well and good. Uh, your test subject sees a monster in another dimension, and now it's like, oh, well, we'll also establish first contact with this alien entity. Mm-hmm. And how I like how that as soon as 
I mean, this seems like, you know, the hubris of man. As soon as we made first contact with it through L, um, the laboratory walls kind of bulge out. And I think, you know, they're implying that that's that's how that portal got there in the lab. Yeah, and then L basically says, hey, I opened the door. Yeah, so myth confirmed on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to figure out how much of what people say in this episode I should believe because – like you said, there's the stuff with Nancy and Jonathan kind of she, – she looks at National Geographic and figures out, hey, this right. might be tracking blood. Then there's, um, you know, this idea that uh, – what's her name? Terry supposedly miscarried in her third trimester, and we know that that's not true um, because Elle is on screen. Um, Jane, I guess, is her real name. Yeah. Uh, according to her mother. Uh, and, and also, like, there's this – I guess secretary at the 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 police station who tells Nancy, "Hey, Jonathan's in love with you." Which, like nobody goes this crazy without being in love. And you weren't there, and lady. I don't, I don't, I didn't read that into it. Yeah, this lady's not there. She only sees the aftermath. No, that, mean, that's not why Jonathan attacked Steve. Is, is Jonathan attracted him. to Nancy? Sure. sure. Is yeah. Nancy maybe a little attracted to Jonathan at this point? Probably. Are they in love? No. But. I, I mean, like righteous indignation can get you in the fights too. Sure, and, certainly and gotten me shitting on you. Yeah, shitting on my family. Like, okay, it might be love, but it's not necessarily for Nancy. It's for right. his family. Right, like, he cares about these people. Right. The, the other thing that it has me wondering is this theory that I espoused last week, which is something Dustin outright says: Lucas is jealous of Elle and Mike, and Elle taking. I guess Mike's time away from him, right? Yeah, so, it's not that. So, like, do I believe that that's the case? I, I certainly do because that was my theory going in. But I don't know if I'm supposed to trust that Dustin is absolutely correct. I think he's right because I do think that you know, I think all of the boys are a little attracted to Elle because she's she's you know she got her blonde wig in she's a wig on and she's all dressed up. She's <laughs> she's she's, she's uh-huh. cute and she's also powerful and dangerous. It's a classic. Classic yeah. uh, things that are, so that, that are that are attractive. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's jealousy, not just because you know Lucas has had this position of best friend that's been unchallenged since they were very little boys, and now you've yeah. got this third par- party in there that's kind of worming in. Uh, but also like you know jealousy that they're not old enough to quite name, but it's still there. Like mm-hmm. they're twelve, they're they're twelve, going on thirteen. It's about that time to start. Uh, uh, you know, having the the prototypes of those types of relationships for sure. So, I mean, Dustin, he he's the insightful one. Right? Dustin, he's the guy who understands what's happening and D- he Dustin, calls it out. So, yeah, man, I'm he's got his 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 perception. Yeah, uh, stat must be through the roof because <laughs> he's able to accurately uh, uh, identify all these things, and also he's the one that like he's got the moral authority in the group. Uh huh. As the lore master, that he can like cite their rules. Like, well, if you drew first blood, you have to handshake first. <laughs> and uh, he's also wearing a sweet Castroville Artichoke Festival shirt. Uh huh. How do you celebrate the artichoke? By eating it, I suppose. Like, like there's not that much stuff you can do with artichokes. You can pickle them. You can put them, them in salads. Yeah. You can make them into dip. You, rather, you can like boil them and coat them in butter and do something like I, I think I've had something like that. There's just I, put I don't, them on I don't, pizza. Do you? Artichoke yeah, I've had artichoke pizza? pizza, sure. All right, that sounds pretty good, especially if it's like one of those white pizzas. Yeah. Know, the, the white cheese mm-hmm. pizzas. Hmm. 
I don't know if you need a I, whole festival I mean, for it. If anybody can do it, California can. Yeah, <laughs> they what? know what to do with the artichokes. So I thought it's like, well, as soon because you know I saw this artich- this Castroville Artichoke Festival, and I know the Hawkins, Indiana, is a made up town. I'm like, I wonder if this is just like some made up Indiana because Indiana's famous for <laughs> actually not very many things: Indianapolis 500, basketball. Yeah. And uh, corn. The, the fairs are pretty righteous here too, though. But they're not going to have say. an artichoke festival because no, I don't no. think the. But but California, I'm like, oh, haha, Jacques. I see Dustin. Uh, he should. This is this this. Sh- he shouldn't have a Castroville artichoke festival. But they mentioned that he didn't move here until fourth grade. Fourth yeah. grade. So I guess his backstory is he mu- he's from California. Is this is this his dad's shirt? How, no. How fucking. It, my, Maybe I guess older my brother. We don't know. Like we don't know. Uh, how, that's who, true. Yeah, know. Dustin might we don't have an older brother. Anything about these other kids' families? No, nothing. We know about Mike and Will's family. That's it. Yeah. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club. Who boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at bald move just join the club but some people aren't a joining type or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage or for podcasts that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time for these and for whatever other reason you might have our tip jar is always open head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say hey keep doing what you're doing we appreciate it Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan-favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. 
Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. Uh, what do you think about uh, Eleven packing away potentially 40 Eggos? <laughs> and also... It's a lot of Eggo sheets. How did that store manager have the self-control to not shout, Lego my Eggo, <laughs> when... I mean, I was, not, I was saying it in my head at the screen. There's not very yeah. many times in life you can unironically shout that phrase. Yeah. He was presented one. This little girl is stealing... Egos that a store manager were under his care and protection. When, Those were his egos. When did the Lego my ego slogan right start? here, right like right now, like like this was the this was he this could is, have been the genesis of it. Had this he is just where's the beef? Yeah, this is the where's the beef era. This is <laughs> this 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 they hmm. they could have Lego my ego and it wouldn't have been an anachronism. I, I, Maybe I'm, they thought it'd be too on the nose. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I wanted I want I was willing it to happen and it just didn't. Yeah. Uh the scene that I liked even better with L was that one with the bullies. Yeah. Uh first of all, I don't oh, believe yeah. that, that knife would be sharp enough to do any damage to Dustin because kids just don't sharpen their knives. <laughs> like any ni- any blade, no matter how dull, is awesome to a kid and they keep it around. It's true. And they use it to like whittle sticks and rocks and all sorts of horrible shit. And that right. blade is dull as dull as a stick of butter could be it could be i wouldn't want him to stick it in my mouth and pry teeth out of my head though no that wouldn't be fun but it's so awesome when l shows up yeah because she comes in there like a fucking like a fucking storm front like she's got her frowny face on and she's got this filthy dress and blood shooting out of both of her nostrils and she she just breaks the dude's arm and like get the fuck out and then dustin's like that's right She's our friend, and she's crazy. She'll kill you if you come back. It's, it's and you got the music swelling. Yeah. And, oh yeah, it's g- great scene. Yeah. Great scene. It was goofy seeing Mike dangling in air, but like, yeah, that's probably what it would look like if you just started unexpectedly telekineticing somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be like some kind of smooth, floaty uh, Iron Man descending from his thrusters kind of thing. It would no. be just this kid. This is all like arms and elbows and assholes writhing in midair, trying to, to go this way and that. Um, another thing I didn't quite like and doesn't, doesn't really even feels like it was as part of the episode is when Hopper and Joyce are interviewing, um, Miss Ives sister. Yeah. Let's talk about Terry Ives. Stuff. And as she talks about, oh, yeah, she had this uh, child that she miscarried. It's supposed to be special, born with abilities. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what abilities? And as she mentions it, they, they show these fast cuts of L, like, flinging people around and breaking their necks with their mind and, and, yeah. and harassing cats and, like, the, the special <laughs> ability to piss off a cat. Um, I, that's a little heavy-handed, right? Yeah, I don't know why you needed the flashbacks. Like there. in this episode, we're watching L do crazy shit, like splash the, you know, because there was also that really good scene where 
Elle's having this existential crisis about like being guilty about what she's done in a macro sense of opening this portal and causing all this grief. And... Oh, I thought you meant of eating forty eggs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that couldn't have felt good either. No, and she's like, "Oh my god, I can already tell my cheeks are bloated from the it's guy got the ego bloat." <laughs> and and you know she's looking herself in the reflection and she tries on the the, the blonde wig and. Uh, you know, she's just feeling all this this angst, and she lashes out and screams at the lake and like disrupts the water. Why did they need to like sh- like? They don't. Yeah, I- I'm totally with you. That was unnecessary and and a little silly. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're going for like because sometimes like I wonder some of these things are a little out of place. Are actually going for like that's what that's what an '80s. Stephen King adaptation would do. Yeah. That you watch over like four Sundays over a month. Like, oh, maybe they've forgotten the L's got special powers and we can't trust our audience. But I don't know. Like part of a part of a smart adaptation of that kind of retro material is knowing what works. What what was yeah. awesome like what was awesome about Goonies and what was not good about Goonies. Mm-hmm. Well that's a bad example because there's not much that wasn't awesome about the Goonies. <laughs> uh I do have other questions about this scene. Like I so I initially had questions about naming Eleven in the womb, but turns out I don't know that she did that because she obviously had the child. Yeah, uh, I think the this third is... trimester thing is a lie. Yeah, um, but I do have questions about how she would know about Elle's abilities if she's been searching for Elle for twelve years. That means she was removed from from Elle's presence at birth. Mm-hmm. Did L do something immediately out of the womb to demonstrate superpowers? Could be. That's that's what I was thinking. The same thing, or maybe. Doctor- and how would she know that it was intentional from a newborn baby? Like, well, they also to say that she was volunteering for all this stuff, and maybe part of what she volunteered for was like because 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 L keeps calling Doctor Brenner Papa. Yeah, and I thought that was just like. You know, when you got a, a, a pack of wolves or, or, or like, in fucking Jurassic World where uh, Chris uh, – god damn it. Pratt. Yeah. Uh, where Chris Pratt is, like, you know, inserting himself as the alpha of a velociraptor. Like, they don't really think of him as – but, you know, he's trying to fit in. And, and so Dr. Brenner conditions this girl to think of her as his father because that's just a stand-in, you know, right. unquestioned authority figure. But now I started thinking, like, maybe it's literal, like – they're smoking dope and taking LSD together, and he's like, "Oh, let's have a super baby," and she'll have all these fantastic powers. And the girl and 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 uh, Miss Eyes or Terry's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." And then she gets pregnant, and her maternal instinct kicks in. She's like, "This is horrible. I don't want this life for my child." And Doctor Brenner just takes her. It's like, and the fact that she's a vegetable is that Doctor Brenner's work? Or is that her like a result of like know. this deep depression she's fallen into? Yeah, I could totally I feel see like Joyce going down that road. There's other explanations besides like a newborn baby lashing out at the <laughs> well, <laughs> like I mean, the doctor spanks it to get it cry and she just she well, sets him on she know, fire with like, his mind. How would she know that it worked? Like even if there was this talk of oh we're going to make a super powered baby, uh it's going to be awesome, let's do this thing. How would you know if it worked if she's been searching for 12 years and Elle is 12 years old? Maybe there's a psychic connection too. That's driven her and yeah. that's driven her insane. Like L speaks. Well, to they her haven't hinted her. at that. No, they did. Like know. I'm just saying. Like these are my questions. <laughs> there's a lot of things that could. Uh, and you're right. The story. That's part of the convenience of it. Like oh, they've got these clues on microfish, and oh, they got the story from uh, Benny's best friend, and it leads to this person who confirms all their theories. And yeah, it's not yeah. great. And, and this this woman Terry's sister is an unreliable uh, source of information. Yeah, because she's 
saying, hey, there was this third trimester uh, miscarriage, which we know to be false. Right. So how much of what she's saying is actually true? Yeah, and she's skeptical. Like, she thinks this is all make-believe, which is proof of the government cover-up has been effective. I also like yeah. she name-checked Stephen King. Uh-huh. Like, what kind of special? Have you ever read Stephen King? You know, pretty much like Carrie. It's exactly like Carrie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have a whole bunch more. Uh, they end on quite the cliffhanger of this van loaded full of armed people ready to take down these children. Yeah. Uh, what in the I, world is going to interrupt that? I don't know. Um, L can probably have something to say about it. There's another moment I, I forgot about where uh, Mike and L kind of reconcile after she saves them, and she confesses to being a monster. And he's like, "No, no, you saved me." And they hug, and then Dustin comes in with like the <laughs> the over everybody group hug. Yeah, it's pretty great. Dustin, you know, Dustin, he's hard. He's a hard guy not to like. Dustin's the best. I've, I've been saying it for years, or at least one year. Dustin's the best. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I think the majority of me liking Lucas Moore is just his badass Armin scene. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, getting his, his gearing up hero scene. He gets shit done too. It's very cool. Yeah, and he's I he's mean, he's he's, uh, he's very logical and methodical. Yes. and I like that. You know, that's kind of like the things about myself that I see in him. So he calls bullshit where he sees it too. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a very good uh, peacemaker. Like Dustin's the <laughs> ultimate peacemaker, and and uh, I'm not so good at that. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to talk about is, I guess, a little more about Elle's powers, um, and I guess the Demogorgon too. Like, so I asked, you know, could the Demogorgon open a portal anywhere? Elle obviously opened the gate initially, so maybe she has that power. But could she shut the portal? Well, would she be able to do that? I'm going to push back. Did she actually open it, or did the Demogorgon become aware of the the hunting ground on the other side and opened it itself? I mean, going well, that was based on what she said, all I can do is go based on what she said. But she might have a perfect – she doesn't understand. Sure. Clearly, maybe. she's. this is an intuitive thing that she does with her power. She couldn't explain, like, oh, well, I'm I'm inverting the quantum flow of the baryon particles. And she, she's right. just kind of, like, doing this shit. So I don't know that she knows. Um, maybe not. But you're right, like – did Eleven open up that portal in the tree? She couldn't have, could she? I don't know. I, I don't know why and she then, would. And what about the portal that was in Joyce's house? Mm-hmm. You know, like I maybe there's there's. I mean, she might have kicked open a door which is gigantic, and yeah. the Demogorgon can go in and out of whichever part of that door he chooses, which mm. basically gives him access to all of Hawkins. Right. She's weakened the barrier between the two right. worlds, and now they can poke through. That's what it seems like based on the evidence. I'm just wondering if there's a way to shut this thing, and if so. Does L have the power, or is it going to be some scientific, um, I guess, solution to the problem? Involve a two-gallon can of gasoline and, and a couple lots of, bear traps. of magnets, and that will shut her down. They're uh-huh. going to set these magnets on fire, and using insane clown posse logic, it's going to shut the gate, <laughs> shut that gate right down. Yeah, you just have to destroy all the magnets in the world, <laughs> and the gate will shut. Easy. Including the core of the Earth. Including the core of the... Yeah, you have to stop the core of the Earth rotating. Yep. (laughs) And then we'll all die of space cancer because of the cosmic rays. That's all I've got. Yeah, see uh, see how they get out of this predicament, this jam. Thanks for listening to our Season 1 coverage of Stranger Things. If you like what you hear and want more, check out all of our television, movie, and pop culture content on baldmove.com. If you'd like to help support our podcast and get a ton of bonus content and features, check out club.baldmove.com. 
We'll also be taking feedback during our upcoming Season 1 wrap-up podcast, so send that in to StrangerThings at BaldMove.com. You can also discuss this with your fellow fans at Forums.BaldMove.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.